Well, morning, everybody. Um, morning to those of you here uh, with us in the main hall. Thanks for your patience again. Um, and morning to those connecting uh, through YouTube. This week, um, I was speaking to Paul Oxford, uh, and at the end of our conversation, I think I said something like, you know, Paul, I'll see you on Sunday. And Paul responded, the good Lord willing, which, if you know Paul, will come as no surprise to you. But it struck me, you know, because often those kind of sayings just go in one ear and out the other, don't they? But how true that is, the good Lord willing. None of us know, do we, what tomorrow will bring, and we feel that at the moment. You know, this, this new COVID variant has come as a surprise. Um, n- none of us knew this morning that when we arrived at the building, the main computer would have sort of given up on life uh, and crashed. And it's, it's humbling that, isn't it, that reality? And as Matt said, this morning we were expecting to start this series on family values, uh, what it means to be part of Sunbridge Road Mission. Um, but it doesn't feel like the right time to do that anymore. And, and actually, as I've been reflecting on it, the, the Lord has uh, laid on my heart um, a little series which uh, we're going to call God's Word on Suffering. You know, we're in difficult terrain at the moment, aren't we? For all sorts of different reasons. But actually, we're not left alone in that as God's people. In God's Word, we have a map to help us navigate that difficult terrain. You know, imagine that you're, you're on some tough ground, uh, you know, and you've got a journey to make. Having a map doesn't make the journey easy, does it? Or effortless. But it does stop us going round and round in circles. It gives us a way through and out the other side. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take one book of the Bible a week and see what God's Word has to say on suffering. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at the book of Lamentations, and then uh, we'll look um, at Ecclesiastes, at Job, uh, and we'll kind of see how we're doing after that. Um, and this week, as we come to the book of Lamentations, the message is, sometimes everything is not okay. Sometimes everything is not okay. Now, Lamentations is not a comfortable book. For those in the building, if you were reading through it before, it's not comfortable, is it? So let me read a few verses. This is the first three verses. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who was once great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her, they've become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Well, let me read some verses from chapter 2. So this is um, 2, 18 to 20. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. Look, Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Or some verses from chapter 4. This is 4, 4 to 6. Because of thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. 
Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment, without a hand turned to help her. And even at the end of the book, all is not resolved. So the final verses in chapter 5 read like this. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. It's not a comfortable book, is it? Lamentations. And that's because it's a response to some of the darkest days in the history of God's people. So if you know the kind of history behind this, it's a response to Babylon's destruction of Jerusalem in 587-586 BC. And they experienced in that time wave after wave of disaster. There was a siege as Nebuchadnezzar and his army surrounded the city and encircled them. Then there was a famine because all the, the supply chains were cut off. And it was a terrible famine, as we heard in those verses, that led people to desperate things. And then inevitably, as the famine took hold and the siege continued, the city fell. And then things got worse. You know, as the city was invaded, the people were put under brutal oppression and taken away into exile. And then to top it all off, the temple, you know, the, the kind of epitome, really, for God's people, of God's presence among them, was completely destroyed Wave after wave of disaster. And Lamentations is written in response to that. So it's five chapters and you get these five laments. A crying out to God from the agony of loss. And in many ways it gives us a template for how we can come to God when everything is not okay. So the first thing we see is that lament acknowledges the pain of loss. Lament acknowledges the pain of loss. Now, I don't think our culture really has a place for lamentations. I think if we were putting the Bible together, we'd leave something like this out, wouldn't we? You know, we live in a culture where anything that's a bit difficult or or uncomfortable, we airbrush it out, don't we? The parts that we don't like. Think even just in a very simple way. What's the right response to the question, how are you? How are things with you? Fine. I'm good. All right. I'm okay. That's the right answer, isn't it? We learned that pretty early on. And actually that kind of infects us in the church too, doesn't it? We can get the impression that that Christian maturity means we're always coping fine. Christian maturity means a kind of self-sufficiency where we're always doing all right. And lamentations here in, in the middle of God's word reminds us and teaches us that God's people go through hard times. You know, someone was, um, I was chatting with someone this week and they were saying, they're just making the comment, you know, we, we focus so often, don't we, on the great victories in the scriptures, and we ignore the kind of long stretches of time in between. So, you know, we, we love the story of the Exodus, but there was also 400 years in slavery for God's people. You know, we love the, the stories of provision and deliverance in the desert, but there was also 40 years of wandering and trial. We, we love Daniel in the lion's den, but for, for many of God's people, exile was a hard time. Of struggle. And it's the same for us today as believers, isn't it? We go through hard times. We're not protected from difficulty just because we're God's people. And actually, one of the reasons that I wanted us to look at Lamentations this morning is that I know that lots of us are going through really heavy stuff at the moment. 
Of course, for, for all of us, there's the loss we continue to experience because of COVID. You know, I think that the first sentence of lamentation resonates with us, doesn't it? How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. It's for a different reason, but don't we have that sense of loss? You know, you just look around this morning. We need to be real, don't we? You know, there's maybe 20, 30 of us here this morning. And, and I, I remember that the week before we went into lockdown, it was Mission Sunday, and it was packed in here. You know, and as we went into the lounge, there was a, a, a hustle and a bustle, everyone chatting. There's been a loss, hasn't there, in this time? We, we feel that. Um, we, but, but it's not just in our church life. We'll feel that in our home life. You know, we haven't had people around our table. We haven't had friends over. We haven't been able to get to know people in the way we'd want to. We feel, we'll feel that in our, in our businesses, in our work lives. There's been a great loss, hasn't there, in this season? But it's not just COVID, I think, that people are carrying. You know, I'm aware at the moment there's all kinds of heavy burdens. For some, there's kind of wave after wave of disaster and difficulty for them or or those close to them. For for some, that's health. You know, perhaps a a recent diagnosis that, that, that you're grappling with. Or ongoing conditions for those or those around you that make life hard day by day. For others, it's mental health and the crippling struggle that that can bring. For some, that the heavy burden is in the family. It's strife, relationship strife. You know, maybe within a marriage. Maybe with children. Maybe in a friendship that was once there but is no longer. For others, it's coming to terms with abuse and its continuing impact. Or bereavement. There are many who still feel the pain of loss in bereavement at the moment. And actually, one of the things, you know, I guess as I've begun in pastoral ministry that's become clearer and clearer is that actually all of us, at some point in our lives, walk with something heavy, don't we? Experience things that are difficult. And often we try and keep those things away from people. But all of us, at some point, go through things that don't just sort of sort themselves out or go away easily. And Lamentations is written for times when everything is not okay. And actually, there is a time, there are things that come up where lamenting is actually the healthy, mature Christian response. Um, there's a picture, I think, that's going to come up. See if anyone knows what this, what this is. Does anyone know what that is? It's a, it's a pressure valve for a heating system. Um, Okay, and, uh, you know, what's that there for? It's there because at some, sometimes in your, in your heating system, there'll be something that happens, won't there? Some stress that, that comes on the system, and the pressure starts to increase. And that valve is there so that when that happens, the, the pressure is released in the right way, you know, down into a waste pipe or something. If that valve wasn't there, some other part of the heating system would blow, wouldn't it? You know, a radiator or a pipe or something like that. And in a way, lament is the pressure valve that God has given us. There are times in life, aren't there, where stress builds up, where we can't cope easily with what's going on. And lament is actually the healthy way of working that through. Otherwise, what happens? You know, because it's tempting, isn't it, when tough stuff's going on, just to bury it, to deny it. But then eventually what often happens is another part of the system blows. Lament is is a good thing God has given us to bring these things to him. That doesn't make it comfortable. Lament is not a comfortable process. You know, and Lamentations is full of tears, isn't it? Um, So just some verses from chapters 1 and 2. I think they are on the next slide. 
Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. My eyes fail from weeping, I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground. The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. It's all about tears, isn't it? Your tears flow like a river, day and night. And again, we've got to get over this idea that not crying is somehow to do with maturity. Maturity is about what we cry about. That's what makes us mature or immature, isn't it? And we, don't all, we won't all lament in the same way, but often tears are going to be a part of lament. Jesus wept, didn't he? And that's not because he was emotionally weak. Jesus wept because there was something worth weeping about as he stood in front of Lazarus' tomb. And think of what, what Paul says in Romans 12, 15. He, he encourages us not only to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we like doing that, don't we? But also to weep with those who weep. But we can only weep with those who weep if, with those who weep, one, if we're prepared to share our vulnerabilities and our struggles with one another. But also if we're prepared to enter into that with them and feel the pain of it with them. You know, and again, this process of lament is not comfortable. It's not just tears, is it? Often there'll be guilt. You know, so often when we're, we're wrestling with loss, we're struggling with guilt. And in Lamentations particularly, it's very clear, isn't it, that the disaster that's come upon them is God's punishment for their rebellion. So let me read again um, some verses from chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18, and then 22. Or just verse 18 says, The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. And this is um, the writer speaking on behalf of God's people. Listen, all you peoples, look on my suffering. My young men and young women have gone into exile. You know, in the context of Lamentations, it's clear this disaster is God's judgment because of their rebellion. And actually, under the old covenant, that was what God had said would happen, wasn't it? Do you remember the end of Deuteronomy? Moses says very clearly, doesn't he? God's, God's warning, you know, that if they keep his covenant, they'll, they'll enjoy his blessing. But actually, if they rebel against him, there's a covenant curse. And that's what God's people are experiencing here in Lamentations. And in that sense, you know, these horrific scenes of 587 BC for Jerusalem, that's God's judgment upon their rebellion. And, and, and often, actually, when we're wrestling with loss, there is guilt, isn't there, in that? There's regret, things we wish we'd done. There's lots of what-ifs that often come up. If, if I'd done this differently, it would have turned out differently. Now, it's important that, that we acknowledge not all disaster and suffering is like this in Lamentations. You know, sometimes that guilt, that sense that it's my fault, is a false guilt, isn't it? In a few weeks, when we come to the book of Job, we're going to see that. The righteous suffer. You know, so sometimes actually us working that through is to realize that that's, that's a misplaced guilt. But there is a wisdom in reflecting, isn't there? So verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 40 says, let, ex let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. There's a wisdom, isn't there, in searching our hearts and coming before God rightly. And, and actually, it, as we're walking through loss, we've got to bring those what-ifs to the Lord, haven't we? To the cross. You know, regret can really eat us up. And actually, you know, just as we, we, we're used to thinking of the cross in its cleansing power, aren't we? But actually, often we, we need to know God's forgiveness in regret and guilt. But it's, it's not just that, is it? There's tears often in lament, that there's, there's, there's guilt. But also, there's, there can be grievance. 
you know, we can come to the Lord and say, God, what are you doing? In, in uh, chapter 2, I, I, if we can have the next slide, um, I'll just read a few verses. And just notice, I'll read the first six verses. Just notice where the writer puts the blame, okay, for what's going on. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has torn down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In fierce anger, he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who are pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger, he has spurned both king and priest. He has, he has, he has, the Lord has. The writer very clearly puts all this at the Lord's door, doesn't he? And this can be one of the real struggles when we're going through hard and heavy times. Is that ultimately we know the Lord is sovereign, don't we? You see, laying all this at the Lord's door isn't actually a measure of unbelief, but of faith. We know how big our God is. We know that, that it wasn't that he took the day off. Or he's not sovereign over this bit of life. So in the end, we, we have to, uncomfortable as it is, come to the Lord and say, he has done it. And that can create all sorts of tension, can't it? And struggle. But you see, again, the fact that Lamentations is here in the scriptures surely convinces us that, that God is big enough to take this, to take these kind of questions. Again, we see this in the Psalms, don't we? You know, uh, we see David's wrestling. We see him asking questions. We see him saying, what is going on, God? What are you doing, God? You know, when we're struggling, in the midst of lament, God can feel like an enemy sometimes. It can feel like God is against us. And at times, God can feel distant. So chapter 3, verse 44 says, You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. And actually, again, I think often this is the case. I think often when we're really struggling, when days are really dark, God can feel distant. It can feel like our prayers are kind of bouncing off. That's a common experience among God's people when we're right in the heart of the storm. So lament is important, even if it's an uncomfortable process to go through, because it, it, it enables us to actually bring what's going on honestly before the Lord. Now, if we stopped here, it would still be pretty bleak, wouldn't it? And, and we can get stuck here in loss. But actually, you see, it's not just that we come to God and say, God, this has got to do with you. But we also realize that God is the only one big enough to restore, to heal, to help. So actually, you know, it's it can be tempting, can't it, in that moment to say, God, I've had enough of you. This isn't working out the way I planned. But actually, God is the only one who can bring restoration and healing and hope. And that is not where Lamentations ends. 
So the second thing we're going to see is not only that lament allows us to acknowledge the pain of loss, but lament finds hope in the character of God. So let me read from chapter 3, uh, verses 19 to 33. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Now, if we know any verses from Lamentations, it's probably these verses, isn't it? And they're right at the heart of Lamentations, right at the middle. And I think they're there for a reason. They're there to focus us on them. But it's important. One of the reasons I wanted us to spend a lot of time in the rest of Lamentations is the danger is when we think of Lamentations, we just think of these verses. But actually, can you see, this is a small part of what is a tough and difficult and uncomfortable book. And often when we are in the middle of loss, that's the reality, isn't it? Hope is a, a little glimpse, but there's a lot of darkness and struggle. But if you've ever been in, you know, um, I remember once we were on a, a walk as a family and we had to, the footpath went through a long tunnel. And you never know when you enter a tunnel how long it's going to be, do you, if it's completely dark at the end. And you kind of start to wonder, you know, you start to wonder if we're going to get stuck in here. And there's a moment, there's a moment where you catch a bit of light coming through the end. And that changes everything, doesn't it? And in Lamentations, you see, these verses are that bit of light. And one of the things that's distinctive about Christian hope, sorry, Christian lament, is there is always hope. There is always a bit of light leading us on. And what is that light? Well, here, it is, the, it is God's character, isn't it? Our hope is in who God is. And, and we see here, he is, he is a God of love. It is his love that sustains us and keeps us moving forward. He is a God of compassion. He is a God, did you notice this? Yes, he is a God who brings grief into our lives. But he's not a God who does that gleefully. You know, he's not indifferent. You notice that in verse 33. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. And with our God, grief is not the end of the story. We know his character. You know, personally, these are things I've wrestled with a bit this year in my own heart. I noticed in the summer I was starting to struggle a bit with, with dread and fear. I think what had happened is it's been a year, hasn't it, of lots of difficult things coming along uh, one after the other for lots of us. And I think I'd slightly got to the stage where every time someone rang or an email came, I was imagining here's the next issue, you know, here's the next thing that's going to have gone wrong. And that can lead, you know, that led me to kind of start to dread what was coming up and to fear. And so I've, I've had to wrestle that through a bit in my heart, and I realized it was warping to my view of God. 
And actually, what, what has helped me so much in that is coming back to the scriptures, particularly in, in, in Matthew, you know, where Jesus talks of God as our loving and good heavenly father and reminding myself this is who God is. Even, even when there are circumstances which don't feel like this, this is who God is. And that, that changes then the way we look to the future, doesn't it? When we come back to his character. Because the big question is, is which are we going to believe? Our present circumstances or the character of God? Who God says he is or what life feels like right now? That's the tension, isn't it? You know, as we look to the future, what's our, our vision of the future going to be based on? Is it going to be on our, our, our present circumstances or is it going to be based on the character of God? And actually, the character of God is far more solid, isn't it? And certain and secure than our present circumstances. I'm sure most of us would acknowledge that our present circumstances go all over the place, don't they? Even outside of a year like this one. Whereas God's character is unchanging and permanent and secure. Now, don't get the wrong impression with this. You know, when I talk about lament finding hope, it's not all neat and tidy. So, you know, as we've said before, the bulk of lamentation is struggle, isn't it? And actually, even after we've had this, these verses in chapter 3, we get chapters 4 and 5, which are more struggle and crying out. And often, isn't that how lament works? We get a little glimmer of hope, and then we're back in, in it for a while. It's not a nice, simple, linear process, is it? Often we're going round and round. But in a sense, what, what, what God's character is, is something secure to hold on to when everything is whirling around outside of us. You know, imagine you're in a raging river, and you've got hold of a rock. You know, everything's kind of all over, isn't it? And you're up and down and this way and that way, but you've got hold of something solid. And that is what God's character is like for us in the midst of loss and lament. It's something we can hold on to. And I find it really um, helpful here that it, the way it talks about God's compassion is it says his compassion is new every morning. And again, when, when we are really grappling with things that are on our plate, with difficult things. So often, isn't that what it means for us? That we, ju we know God's compassion for the next day. We, we're going day by day, aren't we? And each morning we come to the Lord and we need new grace for the day ahead. If we, if we kind of added it all up, it would be too much for us. But actually every day we can get up and we can come to the Lord and we can know that he will, we will find his compassion and that is unchanged. What a wonderful thing that is. We don't wake up in the morning and wonder what God we're going to find, do we? We wake up in the morning and we know his compassion for the day ahead. So it's not neat and tidy. And, and lament is not immediate. We'd like it to be, wouldn't we? You know, we'd like it to be immediate. But it's not. They, these verses talk about waiting for the Lord. They talk about waiting quietly. And even at the end of Lamentations, it's not neatly resolved, is it? You know, it ends with a question. Unless you've utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. It's not neat and tidy, this. And so with, with the pain of loss, sometimes the, there is restoration. So I, I was going to show us a video, I'll, I'll try and put a link on the app, uh, of a lady called Sarah and her story and her struggle, which there was real restoration for her in terms of how the Lord led through that. But sometimes there isn't neat healing and restoration, is there? So one of the um, resources I found very helpful in preparing this is a, a book called For All Who Grieve. Uh, some of you might have read it. I, I've given it um, to one or two. It's by um, Colin Smith, um, and it really works through lamentations. 
um, for those who are, who are bereaved. Um, and it came out of a little group that he um, put together, a support group really, for a number of people who he knew that had lost children, who, whose children had died. Um, and they worked together through the Book of Lamentations. See, for, for them, there wasn't neat restoration um, as they came before the Lord. And actually, that kind of hurts. doesn't just go away, does it? You know, that, that's, that'll be with them uh, for their lives. But the point is, in Christ, there will be restoration eventually, won't there? Some, sometimes we enjoy that healing and restoration now. Sometimes we, we wait for that. But there the will come a day where everything is put right. Uh, there will come a day, won't there, um, where the broken receive full healing. There will come a day when those who are full of sorrow rejoice. There will come a day when those who have experienced great loss are fully restored. So that, that isn't always immediate. But with Christ, we can trust that that day will come. Now, there might be some who are listening to all this, and the question you've got is, look, it sounds great, but how do I know God is loving and compassionate? It doesn't feel like he is right now. You know, and if we, if we make a God based on our circumstances, then he's a God who's all over the place, isn't he? You know, if you think about the ancient Greek and Roman gods, that's what they were like, wasn't it? One moment they're in a good mood and life's going well, the next moment they're in a temper and everything's going badly. But we have a God who's revealed himself to us. It's as we look at the face of Jesus that we see what our God is like. That that's where we see his character. You know, maybe one illustration to use would be, um, I, I remember one time we were climbing Helvellyn, which is a mountain in the Lake District. And the whole way up, it was misty. You know, that kind of thick mist where you can, you can see about four meters in front of you or something. It was all the way up was like that. And, and you can't really get a sense of what's going on around you. You know, your view of things is, is fuzzy, really. Um, you don't really have a sense of the landscape. And then when we got on the top, there was a moment where everything cleared. It's, it's thrilling, isn't it, when that happens? And suddenly everything was obvious and clear and sharp. Well, when we try to see God through circumstances, it's like that mist, isn't it? It's pretty fuzzy. It's hard to know kind of what's going on. But in Christ, the mist clears. And then we see God, don't we, for who he is. Then we see his character and his heart. You know, and as we look at Jesus, think of his compassion on the weak and the struggling. The Gospels are full of people coming, aren't they, who are carrying heavy things. Think of the lepers, you know, whose sickness has shut them out of life and society. They come to Jesus. Think of the lady who'd been bleeding for 12 years. Again, that had dominated her life. She comes to Jesus. Think of those, you know, demon-possessed, again, shut off from their families, from their societies. They come to Jesus. And he's not indifferent, is he? He doesn't ignore them or just walk past them. No, he delights to heal and to restore and to have compassion. So we see God's character in the Lord Jesus. And, and ultimately, where do we find the answer to that question, how do I know God loves me? Well, not in our immediate circumstances necessarily, but at the cross. You know, think again of the history behind Lamentations. The horror of those events in 587 BC, well, that is a picture, isn't it, of God's right anger at our sin and rebellion. That siege, that destruction, 
that famine. Actually, that is what all of us deserve because of the way that we've treated God. And get your, you know, it, we struggle to get our heads around this, don't we? At the cross, that is what Jesus took on for us. He is the innocent one. He's the offended party. Yet he took on that judgment, that anger in our place. He willingly bore that for us. You know, the, the, the cross is that moment that, that I had on top of the mountain where suddenly it all clears. That is where most clearly we see God's heart. We see his character. And if God has gone to those lengths for us, you know, do you really think he'll turn against us or abandon us? We can trust him. Though, though everything around us circumstantially might, might change, he does not. He's the same God today as he was then. You know, we think of those well-known verses in Romans 8. This is what they're saying, isn't it? Um, let me just turn to those. You know, Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we, we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And then later, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as, as sheep to be slaughtered. See, it's not saying, is it, that we escape difficulty as God's people. It's not saying that we won't go through hardship and loss and suffering. But know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Actually, that is our hope, isn't it, as believers? Our hope is in God's character, in his love. And nothing that happens, however bleak, you know, it's, it's unlikely, isn't it, that we're going to face circumstances as bleak as those that, that Israel faced, you know, in, in the destruction of Jerusalem in, in 587 BC. But even they, in that moment, had hope because of God's character. How much more, you know, now that we know the Lord Jesus, do we have hope because of his love and his compassion, which never changes? I want to end with some words from William Cooper, um, He's a, a poet, and he, he, he was a hymn writer. Um, some of you will know words to his hymns. But personally, he was a really troubled man. You know, from a, from a fairly young age, he um, had very difficult episodes of depression. Uh, for times, he was treated for insanity. Uh, at one point in his life, he had three suicide attempts. And, and these kind of struggles didn't go away. You know, they remained with him for much of his life. And yet, through that... Um, he, you know, he, he wrote um, words which continue to bless God's people. So let me read um, one of his hymns out to us. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage takes, the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head.
Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Now, I know, you know, these are not days we would want to be in, are they? You know, this isn't the circumstances we would want to face. But let's learn to lament as a church, you know, to acknowledge the pain of loss. Let's be honest with one another. I think lots of us have said that's one of the things we've learned as a church, isn't it, in all this? Um, to, to share our vulnerability when we're struggling. And um, let's keep doing that. But also to find hope in the character of God. You know, how we need to keep pointing one another to our Savior, to our Lord. That, that is our hope, isn't it? That we have a God whose compassions are new every morning. Whatever might be going on, we, can, we, we will never be separated and cut off from his love. And where we're struggling with that and wrestling with that, keep looking back to the cross. That is where the mist clears and God has revealed himself to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the book of Lamentations. We thank you that your word is not a word that dodges the difficult realities of life. And Lord, many of us are grappling with loss at the moment. Lord, we feel that in this pandemic. We're facing things, heavy things, in our family life, with our health, with our work situation. And Father, we pray that you would help us to lament, to come before you, even if that's uncomfortable at times. We thank you that as we do, Lord God, you do not leave us in despair, but there is always in Christ a ray of light. Lord, not because of anything in us, but because of your power and strength, because of your character. Lord, we're so grateful that you are not a God who changes like the weather. We are so grateful, Lord God, that, that your love and your compassion and your mercy and your faithfulness are reliable and sure and steadfast. And Lord, as we finish, we look again to the cross. Lord, we're sorry that sometimes we doubt your love when you have gone to such lengths for us. We pray, Lord God, that whatever might these, these coming days might bring circumstantially, Lord, you'd remind us of the God that you are and help us to keep walking on with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.